Acts chapter 6, we'll read verses 1 through 7. In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch, whom they sent before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. I'm going to preach tonight for just a few minutes on the mindset of multiplication. If you look at verse 1, the Bible says in those days when the number of the disciples were what? They were multiplied. Verse 2, look what the result was. Then the twelve called the multitude. That's the result of multiplication. Verse 5, the saying pleased the whole multitude because the disciples were multiplied. Verse 7, the word of God increased. The word of God was multiplied. And as a result, the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Now, as a church, uh, we should have the same mindset as this New Testament church uh, there in the book of Acts in Jerusalem. You know the story in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and the thousands that were saved. And then in Acts chapter 4, Peter preaches again, and 5,000 more souls are saved. But at this point, the church is growing so fast. Estimates range anywhere from 40 to 60,000 people. But it was because everyone in the congregation had the same mindset. Now, let me say this, and I don't want you to look for these scriptures. Let me just read you a few scripture because multiplication is God's mindset. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 17, 2. I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Genesis 22, 17. That in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. Exodus 7, 3. I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders. Deuteronomy 7, 13. He will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. Now, God is a God of multiplication, and that should be our mindset. Amen? Amen. As soon as we start in this mindset with this mindset of multiplication, the first thing that multiplies are problems. It says in verse 1, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, great things were happening in the church it was a church moving forward, pressing onward without problems. That's not what the text says. That's my insert. It's untruthful. Look what the text says. As soon as the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a what? A murmuring. Murmuring is nothing new. Murmuring is nothing new to, to any congregation or to a Baptist congregation or to Christians in general. 
But here the church was going, and Satan immediately tries to put his foot in. And how do we see Satan try to get his foot in the door? Through divisions caused by murmurings. Now, you should never be part of that kind of behavior. You should run. You should flee. Listen, everything in your speech ought to be positive. And I wouldn't, listen, I believe this book. I believe in this church. I believe in our direction enough to know I don't want to be around a murmur. I don't want to be associated with a murmur. I don't care if they murmur over the internet or if they murmur by Facebook or if they murmur by phone. I don't care the type or the context. I don't care the avenue or the vehicle they use to murmur. God liberate us from that kind of rotten, ungodly, satanic behavior. There was a murmuring going on. Well, you know, they're taking care of the Hebrew widows. They're just not taking care of the Grecian widows. And immediately, it was addressed uh, by the leaders in the congregation. But look what we see multiplying, first of all, in uh, verse 7. The word of God increased. The word of God multiplied. Go with me to chapter 12 for just a second. Verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Go with me to Acts chapter 19, verse 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now let me say this. The first thing that must multiply in order for the church to multiply, our first mindset has to be the multiplication of the word of God. We've gotten so far from this book, and our primary concern is numerical multiplication, and that's not God's primary concern. When we're talking about a mindset of multiplication, the first thing we're talking about is this word being magnified and multiplied, the word of God growing. Here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, preach what? The word. The word. Listen, if you're a Sunday school teacher, Preach the word. You say, I want a good illustration. I want a good Bible story. Uh, I want to sound interesting. I want to have a good game. Your primary concern ought to be to preach the word. If you're in junior church or if you're in clubs, if you're in the school, uh, no matter what ministry you're involved in the local church, your number one concern should be what? Preach the word. I remember as a young man, and I'm thankful for my dad and the fact that he was a pastor and that he took me with him to conferences. And I heard in my youth some of the greatest preachers of this generation and past generations. And if I didn't hear them in person, I got to hear them on tape or through video. But I remember hearing Dr. Jack Hiles. I remember hearing Lee Robertson and heroes of the faith. I was sitting in a auditorium in Dallas, Texas, and heard J. Harold Smith, that great man of God, preach that famous message, God's three deadlines. But you know what? In hearing those men preach, I often as a young man was discouraged thinking, there's no way in the world that I have that gift. There's no way in the world that I have that ability. I don't have any natural oratory skills. I can't develop skills on that level. I don't know if I'll ever be that full of the Holy Spirit of God. I've been in places before. I remember one time at Levon Drive Baptist Church 20 years ago, a pastor preached. And listen, the entire place at the altar call, 
Everyone, before he could even say amen, they were pushing their way towards the altar. You couldn't see a person standing in an auditorium that seats 1,500 people. They were lining the aisles going down from the balcony. You couldn't end the invitation. There were people weeping and getting saved and getting right with God. And I sat back and saw that and watched God move and, and listened to those men of God preach. And my heart was stirred. But at the same time that I was encouraged and looking forward to the calling that God had put on my life, I was discouraged because I said, I just will never have that ability. But guess what? I'm not commanded to preach like Jack Howells or J. Harold Smith. I'm commanded to do what? Preach the word. And regrettably, in a time when it's more necessary, we see preachers backing off. And instead of preaching the word, some people go to their, well, I was going to say pulpit, but they don't even have a pulpit. They go to their sitting stool, and if they read a text, they quickly close their Bible. And three or four texts during the entire message is a lot of scripture for the average congregation. And we get bothered if we have to look at Scripture. We get bothered if someone actually, instead of telling us an illustration or making us laugh, they preach the Word of God. Here's what I'm excited about at this missions conference coming up. When you hear Brother Camillary, Brother Brent Logan, and Brother Joel Logan, and Brother James Hoffmeister, you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear the Word of God preached. Not opinions, not stories but the very words of God. And here's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. After he said, preach the word, he said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now here's the problem. Not all doctrine is sound doctrine. Just because someone has some oratory ability doesn't mean they have sound doctrine. Just because they have skills that capture your attention and you enjoy hearing them preach. And let me say this, you better be very careful about the people that you listen to preach online because Satan's going to make sure you get some unsound doctrine that's not biblical. You'll find a little verse, you'll get a little bit twisted, and the next thing you know, you're excited about something that's not even sound doctrine. He said, listen, they won't even endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves Teachers, what's lust talking about? A carnal generation that prefers, don't give me preaching, give me teaching. Because preaching is too loud, is too direct, is too sharp, is too abrasive. Look what's going on on TV. Listen to the radio. You know what we have? Now everyone has become a teacher and we've replaced preaching with teaching so we are less offensive. Thank God across this nation, there are still hundreds of men that are called to preach and they understand their duty is not to tickle the ear, not to please the people, but it's to preach the word of God. Said, preach the word. They shall turn their ears away from the truth and be turned unto fables. That's this generation. Look what it says in Acts 4, 4. The word of God is being multiplied. How about many of them which heard what? Heard a story? Heard a good message? Heard 20 minutes that enthralled the congregation? They heard the word and believed. And look what happens as a result. The number of the men was about 5,000 that believed. That's called a multiplication. Look what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Acts 8, 4. 
Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere, what? Teaching the good things, sharing, preaching the word. Now, here's what we don't like, because preaching the word has never been socially acceptable. And it wasn't in that time either. Do you remember? James is beheaded. Peter and the other disciples are jailed. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Paul and his other traveling companions are thrown out of city after city. At one point, Paul is stoned to death. And God raised him back to life. You know what he was doing? You don't have that kind of reaction by teaching the power of positive thinking. You know what this crowd's worried about? The size of the congregation, the size of the offering, the size of the facilities, the fame of their name, they're not concerned about preaching the word. Our job as Christians, no matter what ministry you have, listen, in your home, preach the word. Don't set up a pulpit. Don't grab your Bible, pull out a microphone, and lay into them for 45 minutes. I don't think that's what it's talking about. But you can preach the word. Listen, we don't, we don't need any more people trying to find a way to show you and share with you and bless you. It, it, it creates a little bit of nausea in, me, in my stomach. Thank God I was raised in a church where preaching took place on a regular basis. Now you multiply the word through preaching it. Think about this. Every time you preach the word, it's being multiplied by the number of people in the congregation. And if they go share it, it's even being remultiplied. If I sit and read my Bible alone, uh, there's no multiplication going on. But if I stand behind this pulpit and preach to 350 people, that word just got multiplied by 350 times. Amen. We're supposed to be concerned and have the mind of Christ, which is a mindset of multiplication. There's another way, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. What's it say? Both, circle that word. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, say, preacher, we have a missions conference coming up. We have needs. We need a building. We need land. We need to have a building project. We need vacation Bible school and a Bible institute. Are we going to invest our money here or there? I remember when I came here, several people asked me, what are we going to do with the missions program? Hey, it's so large, and we support so many missionaries, and we send out so much money. Are we going to do VBS around the world, or are we going to do VBS here? Both. Are we going to reach the lost here in Austin? Are we going to reach the lost in the Philippines, in India, in China, in Peru, in South Korea? Both. Amen. Pastor, are we going to buy tracks, good tracks? Are we going to put together things here for our own church? Are we going to send tracks across the ocean? Both. Amen. You know why you like Thanksgiving? You sit at that big table, there's more food than you can eat, and someone says, do you want sweet potatoes or mashed potatoes? And you say, both. Do you want bread or a roll? Both. You want cherry pie or pumpkin pie? Yeah, I'll do both. Let me think about it. Both. You're on a diet? Both. You're supposed to be slowing down on the calorie? Both. 
Do you want green beans with almonds? Do you want sweet corn? Both. Aren't you glad when it comes to reaching the lost, we don't have to pick between missions and local evangelism? God says do both. You know how we multiply the word? We do it right here, and we do it across the ocean. And listen to me, people, there is no better way to multiply. In, in, let me help you out here. That seed's not multiplied till it's sown. And that promise in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that God says he'll multiply the seed. What does he say? He'll multiply the seed sown. No seed is multiplied by staying in the barn. You know how much seed we have in the barn? We have Bibles and we have books and we have tapes and we have knowledge. And we have people that have gone to Bible school and Bible Institute and memorized verses. And you go to your library, you've read all kinds of Christian books and you have all kinds of knowledge. And most of that seed is sitting in the barn. That's not multiplied. You know when the seed is multiplied? When it's sown. You take that corn seed and Planted in the soil, do you know it's capable of producing a stock that, that can produce more than 600 kernels of corn, one seed? But if that sits in a jar, if that sits in a packet, if that sits in a cabinet, if that sits in the house, it produces absolutely nothing. It has to be sown. And we have the promise of God. He'll multiply what? You say, well, I've passed out tracks. I've gotten the word out. Here's what I like about Capital City. We have about 35 to 50 people to go out on Wednesday night. And we have our Saturday group has become so faithful. And Brother Mike's done a tremendous job with the RTP and Brother Besa and these people, Brother Gamis, those that are involved in training our young people to soul win. Here's what I like. When I got with Brother Mike and said, listen, we have soul, soul winners, adult soul winners that are coming out spreading the seed, but we don't have kids in the future of this church that's the children we need to teach them to be soul winners and now there's a group 70 uh, sometimes 85 we've had groups over 100 people going out if you have 100 people working for an hour on a Saturday and 40 people sewing for an hour on a Wednesday night that's 140, 150 hours a week. That's not counting the time on the streets. That's not counting the time in the prisons. That's not counting the personal time or the tracks or the seed being sown at schools and at work and at places of business. Yes, sir. You know what we've done? We've just multiplied. You say, I'm just one person. No, you're multiplying the seed that is sown the word of God. But I'm going to tell you what, if you want to really see a multiply, you get involved in missions and ask those that have taken a trip, whether it's Brazil or Peru uh, or Africa or the Philippines. Listen, when we showed up, we walked into Brother Trimble's church and there was class after class. It's open air. It may not even have any wood. It may be a tarp and a few metal poles. You walk in that auditorium and you see that building uh, packed out on a Sunday morning, 550 people and souls getting saved. And that night we fly over to Brother Martin's and in a blinding rainstorm, in a flood, 1,800, 2,000 people sitting there hearing the word of God. You say, I think this is a good investment because this is where the word of God is being multiplied. Listen, you'd have to break my arm and put your foot on my neck to 
to keep me from participating in missions. You know why? That's where the seed is being sown. That's where we see a multiplication of God's word. Dozens of God's servants and men that have trained dozens of preachers in one lifetime. That's called multiplication. When you see that Brother Covington has seen six to 7,000 Koreans respond to the gospel just in the last three or four years, you say, this is a pretty good investment. I want to put my money there. I know a good stock when I see it. You say, is Caterpillar uh, the best or AIG or where should I invest my money? What do you think about a 401k? Uh, what do you think about municipal bonds? What do you, you know what I think? I think the best stock in the planet. One guaranteed to never lose money, amen? Where you can multiply it. Look, look what took place here in the book of Acts. Uh, things were being multiplied. Acts chapter 13, verse 1, there in Antioch. Now, the church at Jerusalem wasn't doing both, but there was a church that was doing both local evangelization and foreign missions. That's the church at Antioch, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. They were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, him and Anne, which had been brought up in the house of Tetrarch and Saul, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. Look what it says in verse 49 at the same chapter. As a result of the mission work that was done, what happened? The word of the Lord was published. It was multiplied throughout all the region. Chapter 14, verse 1. It came to pass in Iconium that they went both together in the synagogue of the Jews and so spake the what? A great multitude. They're multiplying. Both of Jews and of Greeks believed. Do you understand what we're saying tonight? We have been, listen, committed. It's been committed to our trust. The word of God, the gospel. And the way to make that happen, the way to be good stewards of the truth is to multiply, and that happens through the preaching of the Word of God. That happens through missions. Hold on for a second. You know where it really happens? Through radio. Several weeks ago, I was preaching at Brother Ricky Gonzalez is there in Dallas. And on Monday, we drove downtown to preach at the radio station. And after the program, after the preaching was done, it was only a 30-minute program, about 11, 11.30, when we got finished, I was talking to the manager of the radio station, and I said, uh, what do you think the viewership or the listenership is on a Monday morning, 11 to 11.30? Give me a general estimate, guesstimate. He said, well, that's hard to calculate, but here's what we've been taught. He said, see those lights over there? When we go to take calls after the program's over, he said, we calculate for every light that lights up for representing a phone call, that light represents a thousand people that are listening at this very moment. He said, you see 15 lights over there lit up. That means your listenership is around 15,000 people Amen. that just heard the gospel. Amen. Yes, sir. Did you get that? Amen. Now, hold on for a second. Pastor Ricky took me later on that day to the J. Frank Norris Museum. Listen, it was astounding the way God used that man. And at one time in his ministry for years, he pastored the two largest independent Baptist churches in the nation. 
one in Detroit, Temple Baptist, and one uh, there in Dallas. Uh, both of those congregations running about 7,000, 7,500 people. God used him in an amazing way. But as we walked through that museum, he had a picture up. And on that picture, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, 5,000, 6,000, maybe 7,000 people. And it says, J. Frank Norris preaches to, and it gives the number of people in the thousands. And then it says, afterwards, he held a baptismal service. And I looked at that picture and I said, Dr. Norris, eat your heart out. We just preached to a congregation twice that size. That's radio. God has given us an opportunity that they didn't have in the book of Acts. They didn't have radio. They didn't have television. They didn't have internet. They didn't have tracks. They didn't have the written word of God in every language. And we have so many advantages. And the way to multiply is by multiplying the seed that is sown. We preach the word. We get involved in missions. We use radio. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Look what it says in verse 46. How do we multiply? Acts 2, 46. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with single gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. What's it say? You know what's going on? Everyone was involved in soul winning. Here's how we multiply. It's not Saturday at 9.30. It's Monday. It's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. I thank God uh, in this city, I've been to places and businesses. I've been to stores and restaurants and bathrooms. And I've seen tracks from Capital City all across this city. That does me good. It does me good to talk to people and say, oh, uh, listen, someone from your church already talked to me. Someone's already asked me. Uh, I went and made a call back one Saturday and was talking to this lady. And she said, I, I won't be back to your church. I said, you won't? I said, uh, did the message offend you? I said, I, I often come across harsh. I don't mean to. That may be my personality. I said, uh, I won't apologize for what I preach, but I will apologize apologize for the harshness of my personality if that offended you. And she said, no, you know what offended me. Uh, you preached on salvation. And then I had three or four people on my way out the door asked me if I was saved. And I said, praise the Lord for that. This Thank God the seed is being sown. She must have got the idea. I thank God that the seed is being sown, that the word of God is being multiplied. Now think about it. If one man, if it were just the duty of the pastor, the assistants, how difficult it'd be to multiply the seed and multiply the word. But when you have this many people, you have hundreds of people, if you get everyone involved, if you get the children involved and they pass out a track and you get the teenagers involved, it, it blesses my soul the number of teenagers that come Saturday morning and Wednesday afternoon and those that pass out tracks and those that get involved even those who don't have a natural soul winning personality, it does me good to watch them get involved in soul winning on some level. Amen. It blesses my heart on Saturday when people that are naturally quiet and naturally reclusive and naturally have no speaking ability, they overcome their flesh and they get out there and they pass out a track and they're part of the process. You say, well, they may never see anyone say they can plant the seed. They're part of the process. And guess what? You didn't get saved the first time you heard the word. 
you didn't respond the first time. There were several people. God used several things to get your attention. You were just part of the process. And you ought to sit back and say, thank God I can be part of the process. I may not be the one that gets to reap the harvest, but I can sure plant and I can sure sow. I can sure water and I can expect God to give an increase. And it may be through someone else a little bit more polished than I am. Multiplication doesn't take place because two people are involved in soul winning. It takes an entire church body with differing gifts and abilities, but a willing heart that says, I may just do the track slide and glide, but I can be part of the process. I can tell you a half a dozen times I've been over here. I think the only place that our church members go to eat is Olive Garden, because a half time, dozen times I've been to that restaurant and I've seen a gospel track sitting up on the counter. You say it may get a water stain. It may, but it also may get red. And the Holy Spirit will have something to work with. You say, is that a good use of, of God's money? It's a better use than those tracks sitting in the track rack with a person that's constantly finding an excuse to not pass them out. Multiply the seed so. And I'm telling you, it still works. It, it still works. Thank God we can point to people in this church, and it, it doesn't matter which case, it doesn't matter how hard you think that person is. Listen, all you have to do is sit back there and eat some barbecue and look at Brother Jose and say, the gospel still works. Number two is not just multiplying the word. Go back with me to Acts chapter 6. Look what it says in verse 1. If we multiply the word, what's going to happen? Acts 6, 1, in those days when the number of the what? The number of the disciples was multiplied. Verse 7, the word of God increased. What's the result? The number of the disciples multiplied. How do we multiply the number of the disciples? Look what it says in verse 4. We will what? Give ourselves continually to what? To prayer and to the ministry of the word. Listen, you know how we number, we multiply the number of the disciples through interceding on the behalf of other Christians. And let me just say this, Christian, let me remind you, please help me out here. Is we go out and we do all the lake work and the groundwork and we watch the Holy Spirit work and visitors come in and people uh, arrive here for the first time. Don't ever forget how rough it is for someone in today's society coming from this world so far from God, so distant from Bible principle. Listen, the dress puts them in shock. The Bible puts them in shock. Even John 3, 16 puts them in shock. The music takes their breath away. Not in a positive way. They're used to listening to Led Zeppelin and Van Halen. And help me out. What's the other groups you listen to, Donald? <laughs> and then they come to the house of God and they hear, send the light. You do not multiply disciples simply by seeing people saved and 
brought into the church, it's not a casual effort, but a concentrated effort where we have to say we have to help these people gradually adjust to the Christian life and the Bible principles. And they've got to get plugged in. They have to connect, and a connection isn't made overnight. It's made over time. And it's made with a lot of patience and a lot of love and a lot of care where we bring them in and patiently and carefully and lovingly we say it does not matter how they walk through those doors. The bottom line is that they get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to be abrasive because the book is abrasive. You don't need to be offensive because the book is offensive. You don't need to straighten them out. The Bible will straighten them out. Your job is to get them in and help them connect. Long enough for the Holy Spirit to do a work of God in their hearts. If we get down on our knees and intercede, that's why we handed out those church lists. Here's why you ought to have a church list so you can be interceding every day for every single person in this church. But especially when you see a new convert, they ought to be at the top of your prayer list. Oh, God. How in the world are they going to get saved, get baptized, get discipled, and begin to grow if we're not interceding for them? How in the world are the number of the disciples going to multiply? It takes prayer. It takes discipleship. Go with me to Acts chapter 11, a verse that we have read and repeated over the past few years trying to teach to this church the ministry of the word is a ministry of discipleship and everyone should be participating. Listen, if you have been saved, and I dare say it would embarrass the congregation, but I wonder how many people have been saved for more than two years and they have yet to disciple a new convert. God did not select a chosen few to be the disciplers in his congregation. God has chosen you. Acts chapter 11, the church of Antioch is growing. It has a bunch of new converts. They called in Barnabas. Verse 24, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, much people. What was happening here? Even this church started out adding and then they began to multiply new converts. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul because he said what? He said, I'm not just going to preach and multiply the word, but now through the multiplication of, of the word, we have multiplication of converts, and those converts need to become disciples. Verse 26, when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. What did they do for a year? Discipleship. They were teaching them on a personal level, and what's the result of that discipleship of that teaching after a year. What's it saying? The disciples were called what? Can you imagine taking hundreds and hundreds of new converts and discipling them so well that after one year the city looks at your converts and says those are Christians. Those people are Christ-like. That's a good discipleship program. Now, here's what we all have to be involved in. Congregation, it, here's what we have. We have this crazy 
philosophy that uses our day and age as an excuse. And things are getting harder, and I wonder who's going to be president. I wonder what's going to happen, and then it's going to be Obamacare, and the world's going to hell, and everything's going bad, and we're all going to be enslaved, and socialism is taking over. And I, I guess, yes, 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 and yes. But let me ask you this. You mean to tell me things weren't dark in Acts when the church was multiplying? Let me see. I, I don't know of any church leader that's been beheaded. Check out Acts chapter 12. James is beheaded. Peter is jailed. He knows he's next. Don't tell me about the dark days because these were dark days. Matter of fact, 11 of these 12 men die as martyrs. I don't know any of the leaders in the New Testament church in the United States of America, no matter how dark and how bleak, no matter the fact that socialism is sweeping this country and that we're far from God and God's been pulled out of the schools and he's even been pulled out of the government and out of the churches and out of everything in our society. We are going the wrong way, but that doesn't mean we can't multiply. Matter of fact, the church always grows quicker and multiplies exceedingly under persecution. That may mean that this is our greatest chance to multiply. Amen? Amen? Amen. Our mindset should be, we're going to multiply the word, we're going to multiply disciples, and that happens through discipleship. Amen. How many of you believe that discipleship is actually a biblical principle? Raise your hand. Oh, how many will go a step further and say it's not just a biblical principle, it's actually a Bible command? Raise your hand. Have you read Matthew 28? Teaching them to do what? Observe all things. You know what that is? Discipleship. So our command in the Great Commission is not just win them and baptize them, but then disciple them. If we're going to multiply as a church, you know what we need to have? A mindset, a multiplication that says, okay, let's multiply the word. Let's multiply the seed sown. Let's multiply the disciples. Acts 9.31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. They were edified walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. What's it say? They were multiplied. So it wasn't just the word of God being multiplied. We see the steps here. So once the word of God is multiplied, then the number of the disciples should be multiplied. And when the number of the disciples are multiplied, then churches should be multiplied. You know what's amazing to me? That this is a concept that is involved in foreign missions and we expect it out of our missionaries. And they go to the field, and we expect them to come back and put up on the big screen about, number one, the Word of God being multiplied, number two, the number of the disciples being multiplied, and number three, the number of churches being multiplied. That's what we expect out of the missionaries. And if they go over there for 20 years, and they put up on the big screen eight converts, one church, we're going to look out and say, something's wrong with that guy. He didn't have a biblical mindset. So how many people have you discipled? Oh, two or three. Why is it that you don't want to support him when you have the same command? He just has a different location, a different area, a different field. It's time that we all pick up the philosophy of being environmental missionaries. Yes, sir. What's that mean? To our local environment. Yes, wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you are. Yes, yes, yes. If we went to Argentina 
and set up a church and said, listen, you're supposed to be planning churches. If we went to Mexico, you, you know the greatest joy of our ministry now in Mexico is the fact that we develop leaders. And when you develop leaders, then those men have a mindset of multiplication. And now, although I've been gone from Mexico for three years, not only are those new churches doing well, but they're in the process of planning two more churches right now. It's a mindset. And that mindset has got to be multiplication. For the most part, it's not even addition. Our vision is so small, we say, I hope we can add a person or two. We think soul winning and discipleship and church planning, that's for a select few with a special calling and a supernatural gift. No, it's not. It's a mindset that every person on every pew should have. I want to multiply myself. And I do that through multiplying the word. I got to preach the word. Disciple new converts. Help train leaders. Keep your finger in Acts because we're coming back. Go to Jude. Jude. Verse 2. Mercy unto you and peace. And what? Love. Be multiplied. Go back with me to Acts chapter 2. How does that happen? Well, there are a lot of ways. We won't talk about all of them tonight. We spoke about one of them. That's intercessory prayer. You will love each other when you start praying for each other. Acts 2.46, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, the breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. You know how you create love and unity? Fellowship. Christian fellowship. Positive fellowship. You know what's supposed to happen in a local church? Love is supposed to be multiplying. Now let me ask you this. Are you multiplying love or discord? You ought to associate with people that are multiplying love. What they say with their mouth is positive and kind, exhorting and building up. Listen, if you are hurting people, if you're discouraging people, if you're tearing people down, why don't you broadcast, publish, and proclaim everything good you hear about in your local church? What if the next time you heard something good, you spread the news? Oh, man, three saved in junior church. Did you hear they had five in the new team bus route? Did you hear Donald had, where's Donald at? Do you hear Donald had, had someone saved there in the back? Do you know he's discipling 10 new teenagers? Did you know that teenager now has been going to class for an entire year? I want to multiply the word. I want to multiply the disciples. I want to multiply the churches. I want to multiply love in the church. How about if you just said tonight, I want to have a mindset that says, I want to multiply myself. 